Welcome back once again, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, and as always, thanks for listening. On today's show, uh, you recall last episode I had uh, told you about a little book I had acquired at an estate sale. And the name of the book, once again, is Springfield, South Carolina, A Small Town Saga in Orangeburg County. It was written by Jaqueline Williams Cooper. I apologize. Jacqueline Williams Cooper. And it was illustrated by her as well. Now, last time I kind of took you down, um, you know, recalling some things of the way, you know, back in the old days that things that they used to do and some happenings and hauntings and things of that nature. So I thought it would be kind of cool to read a few more for, for you guys today. I hope you enjoy this little bit. Um, I enjoy listening to this stuff as well and reading about it because not only is it where I came from, it's what I grew up with and it's what I know. And most people from the South would know this stuff as well, um, especially growing up in the time um, that I did and anybody probably before that. So, <clears throat> all right, this first one is called, uh, let me stop myself. I'm going to be reading three little excerpts here. And um, the first one is entitled Passing On. And they all three of these here kind of go hand in hand. So I'm going to read them all. Um, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. So here we go. Springfield has always paid significant respect to the passing on of its citizens and has amassed its own traditions to deal with loss. Some traditions have passed on into oblivion while others have come into vogue. Perhaps an examination of a few customs might prove enlightening to present-day readers. Take, for instance, lemon pies. As far back as locals can remember, it has been customary to whip up a pie or cake as soon as word gets around and dash over to the home of the deceased and make the presentation. From the vantage point of the dead, it is a bit late. But of course, everyone knows that if you're going to have a decent wake, refreshments are a must. And there are a number of Irish descendants in this community. And as in other places, Springfield likes to say it with flowers, even when the honoree can no longer enjoy them. So when an honorable and long-lived and beloved citizen passes on, his life is sometimes measured by the size of the funeral crowd, the floral display covering the grave, and, of course, the number of pies left molding in the cupboard. This brings to mind a story which supposedly happened here. It seems that the holiday season was near and preparations had been made for a big family feast. Much to the surprise of the family in question, a beloved member, quote, up and died, end quote, and was buried. Shortly thereafter, the day for the feast arrived, and one member of the family who knew the departed would have enjoyed the feast immensely quietly got out a plate and piled it full with samples of all the dishes. Slipping off to the cemetery, she placed the plate on the grave. Suddenly, behind her, she heard footsteps, and looking up, she saw a good brother standing beside her holding a small bunch of flowers. Seeing the plate of food, brother's face clouded as he spoke. 
Just when do you expect the dead to eat that plate of food? When he comes up to smell the flowers you just placed on his grave, I suppose, she answered quietly. Sitting up. In days before embalming was practiced, the dead was oftentimes laid out by family members while a pine coffin was built for burial. With many homes having unscreened windows and doors, dogs and cats might wander in at will. So during such times as a death in the family, there was also the need to see that the body was protected from wild intruders. Thus, the practice of sitting up became a custom produced by need. Those who experienced sitting up usually came away with an assortment of tales to tell. As we hours wore on and sleep during such a time was scorned, the weary sitters kept their vigil and shared experiences of other such watches. One such tale concerned sitting up one night when after the coffee was gone and talk had given way to yawns and garbled words, a strange and eerie thing occurred. The circle of friends were suddenly jolted to attention when the corpse sprang forward to a sitting position in the coffin. The friends did not wait for explanations or reasons, but promptly jumped out of the windows and ran. Various scientific interpretations were offered, but all such was obscured by the tales told by those who ran for their lives. Awake to remember, if you could. A good man had passed away, and the news had put the entire town in mourning. Now, this was way back in the days when close friends showed their respects by sitting up the last night with the deceased. The evening had witnessed the appearance of many who had come to call, to offer sympathy, some to bring pies. After all the coffee was gone and the cake had been finished off, the crowd dwindled down to the faithful few. In this case, several old buddies of the departed. Seated around the beer, the old pals began to recount days gone by and the good times they had shared with their old friend, and as had been noted, the coffee was gone. So the mourners decided to bring in their own refreshments. Well, they began to pass the bottle, and as they looked over at their old friend, it seemed he had never looked better. He was so dressed up, tie, specks, and everything. Such a pity he wasn't up enjoying the night with them. Finally, one spoke and said, It just don't seem right for him to have to lie there like that when we're here together, joshing and everything. Let's get him up so he can be with us one more time. All consented. It took time and some doings, but at last, the departed was propped up in the corner of the room to the delight of those close friends. Meanwhile, the party continued until all the refreshment was gone and the buddies were overcome with sleep. The early hours ticked by, and by the next morning, relatives awakened and began to peek into the room once more. What a startling scene met their eyes. The departed was standing in the corner, a slight smile on his face, while around the room his old buddies lay sprawled out and snoring loud enough to wake the dead. <laughs> yeah, I. those are just some old stories and things and tales that have been passed on from generation to generation, I suppose. And, uh, 
I just I just love things like that. I apologize for all the noise right now, but I just love things like that, and I love to to read about. You know, you you can't ever know where you're going unless you know where you've been, where you came from. You know, and so uh, I just find that stuff really interesting, and it's a part of my past, and a part of my history, and a part of my family, and it's this is just things that don't happen in the way they used to anymore. You know, and it it's it's sad but true. Um, I hope everybody out there, I hope you guys are all staying safe. COVID is just tearing this country apart. Not to mention with a long list of other things. But I hope and pray for each and every one of you guys out there. I hope you're staying safe. I hope your family's protected. Um, And so what I'm going to get into today, and I kind of want to address this before I do. But today's story is is not a story. It's not anything made up or anything. It's not a yarn. It's not a tall tale. It's not a legend. It's something that really actually happened. And um, this, what I'm going to tell you is, if you've heard it, you've heard it and you know. Um, But if not, for those unfamiliar, um, this is, to my understanding, is still an open case at this point. Um. And it's sad. Um, there are a lot of unanswered questions. Um, and those that are, you know, still hurting from all this. Um, I do not mean to cause anyone harm. I do know, I do not mean any disrespect by anything that goes said or unsaid on this podcast. And so before I even get started, I just want to go ahead and apologize for anything I might say out of the way. Um, I found this story and this case interesting enough to show it on here because, you know, sometimes there's just some things that just can't be written away and some things that just can't be just you can't put your finger on things at certain times, you know. And so I found this one uh, really weird and um, it's strange. It's unnerving disturbing to say the least but i hope you guys enjoy it um and so i just wanted to put that out there um i'm going by my understanding and some things that i have found um throughout my research and so like i said if i get anything wrong if i say anything out the way that maybe i shouldn't or maybe you feel that i shouldn't then i apologize it, I'm, I do not have any ill intent going into this whatsoever. This is a, if you were to look into this, it gets deeper and deeper the more you get into it. And you could spend a long time chasing rabbit trails. And so I did not want to do that. I wanted to come forth and give you guys facts or what I know to be facts. Um, and let you guys if you wanted to dig further into it dig further into it now going forward in the podcast of course if there's any new development to make a show or to mention on this show i will definitely do so um i know there's a lot of like secondary information out there and things of that nature and like i said i did not want to chase it because that would take a quite a while now of course once you're done here you're more than welcome to do as you please um but I hope you enjoy today's episode nonetheless. And now it's time for the mysterious disappearance 
of Mara Murray. Standing five foot seven and weighing 120 pounds, with green eyes, brown hair, and dimples in both cheeks, Mara Murray was a beautiful young woman with a bright future ahead of her. But on February 9th, 2004, in Amherst, Massachusetts, this would be the last time anyone would ever lay eyes on Mara Murray. On May 4th, 1982, Fred and Laura Murray became the proud parents of Mara Murray. Mara was an incredibly smart and gifted track runner in high school. When she graduated, she headed to the U.S. Military Academy at West Point pursuing chemical engineering. Mara would eventually transfer to the University of Massachusetts, switching her major to nursing along the way. Now, I'm... You can tell I'm doing things a little bit different. Now, I kind of want to be careful with everything, and that's why I'm doing this. But it's here. Um, Some stories mention it. Some stories do not. And this is where I kind of want to, I'm kind of putting a note in here. I'm not sure if it's real or not, but from what I'm gathering, it is. But apparently Mara, while she was at West Point, she ran into a little bit of trouble. And from my understanding... She had actually stolen some makeup. How much makeup? I don't know. What what was the worth of the makeup? Don't know. Um, where it was at? Not even sure about that. I have actually heard rumor it was actually at Fort Knox. Don't quote me on anything. But this is the reason she ended up, she would actually transfer to University of Massachusetts. Now, from what I I gather is that she had like a a pending trial there at uh, West Point and to avoid any further persecution or anything like that, she actually left West Point and headed to University of Massachusetts. Now, this kind of brought up the question because I was asking myself the same thing was how can you just leave West Point? Were we part of the military Um, from what has I have uncovered is that actually you're not technically in the military yet until you actually officially graduate until like like your last two years of of being there then you are more into the military as you would instead of being at the beginning now one gentleman i cannot recall his name and i hate that i did not write this down but one gentleman i heard uh speak i think it was on another podcast um actually mentioned that he believes and i thought this made incredible sense and you know what i'm gonna stop myself right there i'll bring that up at a later time um mara would eventually transfer to the university of massachusetts switching her major to nursing along the way now mara was like any other young adults her age and she found herself making a few unwise choices from time to time as we're all bound to do in 2003 mara had been arrested for the improper use of her credit card under $250. Claiming she obtained the credit card number from a receipt she had found, she used the number at a number of local eateries and stores around Amherst. This charge would later be dropped due to good behavior. February 7th, 2004. 
Mara had met with her father, Fred, to go look at a new car from Mara as her 1996 Black Saturn was not in the best of shape. After a day of new car shopping, Fred returned to the Quality Inn in town where he was staying and headed out to the Amherst Brewing Company for dinner. Later that same night, sometime close around 9 p.m., Fred met up with Mara again and the duo headed to pick up Mara's friend, Kate. And then the three of them made their way back to the Amherst Brewing Company for drinks. Then sometime before, Mara and Kate took Fred back to the Quality Inn they made a pit stop at a liquor store along the way. After dropping off her father, Mara and her friend Kate would venture out to a party, but at some point during the night, she ended up crashing her father's car. Mara claimed she turned a corner, hit some sand, and skidded, hitting a guardrail. Now, you're probably asking yourself, how could Dad let Mara drive a car after they've been out drinking? So, supposedly that Mara claimed that she was not drunk and that she had not taken a drink in a while. Uh, Mara never received a ticket or a breathalyzer test concerning this accident. A tow truck was called to come tow the vehicle and Mara made her way back to the Quality Inn to her father. The next day, February 8th, Fred would rent another car and drop his daughter off at campus close to 1.30 p.m. On Monday, February 9th, 2004, classes at the university had been canceled due to a pending snowstorm threatening the region. Mara sent out emails informing all of her professors along with her supervisor that she would be gone from classes and work for a week due to a death in the family. It's also noted at this time that she sent an email to her boyfriend at the time and saying that how she loved him, something along the lines of, I love you, stud, something like that. I'm not quoting anything, just putting it out there. Uh, the strange thing about her sending these emails to her professors and supervisor was there was no death in the family. Mara climbed in the 96 Black Saturn and made her way to an ATM withdrawing $280. From there, she made another pit stop at a liquor store where she purchased $40 worth of Bailey's Kahlua and vodka and a box of Franzia red wine. Later, she stopped at the Amherst DMV picking up insurance papers for her father's car, which had been wrecked the day before. The following is according to Haverhill, New Hampshire Police. At 4.47 p.m. that day, Mara made a mysterious phone call to her own voicemail, packed up her car, and left town. At 7.27 p.m., a few hours later, Mara had wrecked her car after slamming into a tree on Wild uh, Amanusuk Road in Woodsville, New Hampshire. This would also be known as Route, Route 112. 7.35 p.m., police were notified of the accident. 7.45 p.m. Police arrive on the scene. The first officer to respond wrote that evidence at the scene indicated the vehicle had been eastbound and had gone off the roadway, struck some trees, spun around, and come to rest facing the wrong way in the eastbound lane. There was visible damage to the driver's side, 
front end, front passenger side, rear driver side, and rear passenger side of the vehicle. The windshield was cracked, the vehicle was locked, and there was no sign of Mara anywhere. A local bus driver, I think this was uh, Butch Atwood, um, had witnessed the crash and reported to the police that a young female was driving the vehicle and no passengers were reported. When he stopped to assist her, she told him not to report the accident to the police. Of course, he did anyway. Police suspected that alcohol was involved as a box of Franzia wine was sitting in the passenger seat and red liquid was visible on the driver's side door and on the ceiling of the car. One clue that had been found was a MapQuest printout giving directions to a condo complex in Burlington, Vermont. Phone records would show later that she had called the owner of one of the condos, which happened to be up for rent. And although no one is certain of her plans, police assume she was headed that way. Mara Murray's debit cards, credit cards, cell phone were missing. At 7.56 p.m., EMS, along with local fire personnel and a local resident, began searching the roadway and in the vicinity of the area, but no sign of Mara Murray. Before Mara's car could be towed away, an officer on the scene recovered a Coke bottle from the car, quote, that contained a red liquid with a strong alcoholic odor, end quote. February 10th, 2004. Mara Murray is now an official missing person. Police have discovered she's packed up her belongings in her dorm room back at UMass. She sent the email to her boyfriend. And six days after she mysteriously disappeared, a massive search party was put into action to try and locate her. The Boston Globe re released an article stating the following. Tracking dogs, helicopters, and trained searchers, local and state police, as well as state fish and game officials, covered nearly 20 miles along Route 112, but found no trace of Mara Murray's footprints in the snow. The tracking dogs lost her scent within 100 feet of the accident, leading investigators and her loved ones to believe she was either she either hitched hitched a ride and continued on her way to where she was going or she was abducted it was as if mara murray had literally vanished into thin air shortly after the events on february 9th an eyewitness reported that they saw mara walking several miles from where the accident had taken place the mysterious disappearance of Mara Murray spread like wildfire across the internet, evoking more internet sleuths and even more theories trying to explain exactly what happened to Mara. Theories, rumors, and conspiracies have come out in abundance over the past 16 years, and I'd like to share some of these with you now. Remember, none of this is, this is not proven at anything. This is just all speculation at this point. Um... I know it's hard to, but this case, you could tell even during my research that this case has been convoluted so many times. And you hear so many people say that, but that is the case. There's so many people with their hands in the cookie jar. You can't make 
heads or tail of where they actually cookie of where the cookies are I, I know that may not make sense but it's what i'm coming up with off of my head at the moment but anyway um so there are four main theories regarding this case so these are some things that uh, people speculate that this gun this is all speculation of maybe what happened and occurred as to why mara murray is missing so number one some people believe that Mara had actually made her way into the mountains to commit suicide. Now, I'm not going to go in because I don't I never knew Mara Murray. I don't know her family or anything like that. I, I don't want to get into this one too much. Um, but some people believe that the way she was acting, acting at school, acting out at West Point, some people actually believe that maybe, you know, she was troubled to a certain a certain degree and that this was a theory of that um i know there's a lot of people who do not believe this at all uh number two mara left all she knew behind to start over to begin a new life elsewhere now to me in my personal opinion this is me talking there's no evidence to support this there is but there isn't just hear me out i believe this uh possibly could be the case not saying it is not saying it isn't but um here's the thing um from my understanding that mara has never actually been declared dead and um what happens when you declare someone dead there's a lot of things if if people friends family whoever she had uh, assisting her they could she if she had actually wanted to disappear you cannot claim a dead person cannot claim social security benefits things of that nature you can't be dead and benefit of things like that also too if you look at it mara was a runner she was a you know she was in track and field and all that stuff in high school she was a runner she that's what she did and you know I think she pushed herself to survive. Um, that's my personal opinion. Um, I, I think that she is still out there and that all of this is, we're just bugging her at this point. Um, not saying she's listening to anybody's podcast or anything about that. Um, reading any articles or anything, but I mean, I think it's quite possible that she has moved on with her life for whatever reason or another personal or, you know, not i mean she's i think she may have moved on that's why there's nothing has ever been found of this but we'll get into that later all right so number three mara had abandoned the car in an attempt to avoid the authorities headed into the woods she became vulnerable to the nature to nature and the environment she lost her bearings became unaware of where she was and she soon died of exposure to the elements after all mar had experienced two car wrecks over the last couple of days maybe an unseen head injury could have played into this this once again this is my opinion i could see this possibly happening but i don't lean on this one too much once again mara was a survivor why she was at west point she had been trained possibly like i said she was a runner um she could have possibly you know when she left west point 
It was a survival move. She did what she had to do to survive, and she left West Point, and she made it to, you know, UMass. She did what she did. You know, maybe if things had gotten too rough or whatever, um, if call it a defense mechanism, if you would, she ran. And that's exactly what she did. Um, that's what I believe. That's me. That is me. I don't think this would be the case. But like I said, she's a survivor. She's a runner. She had a plan in place. That's me. And number four, Mara had been abducted by someone, possibly a stranger, with ill intent. And this is based on the fact that the tracking dogs lost Murray scent in the middle of the road. This is quite possible. Um, one thing about this case is this, is that <clears throat> this hap- this occurred back in 2004. This was on the verge of everybody having the internet, everybody having a cell phone, able to take pictures, videos, make phone calls, um, information at a moment's notice. This was not the case in 2004. Okay. So when the APB or anything like that went out over the air, you know, possibly back then, it was all by radio. You know, those that did have cell phones at the time, even back then, it the signal was still sketchy back then. You know, I mean, it was it was either hit or miss. Either you were on the phone and you could talk and you could listen, but you are not. I mean, technology has come a long way since then, but. You know, like I said, back then, you know, this is quite possible. This this could have happened. We don't know, but it's quite possible. And we'll explore a little bit of that later as well. Uh, Number five. Then there's the second vehicle theory, which suggests that there was another vehicle with someone who knew Mara driving ahead of her. After the wreck occurred, the driver of the second vehicle circled back and picked Mara up. Now, you're probably wondering, like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, think about it. If she was trying to get away, and um, maybe she was traveling with somebody, but they were driving separate cars. Who knows? But the the thing about it is, is that shortly after, you know, this bus driver... Uh, Butch Atwood had been told, hey, don't call the police. He goes back home and calls the police. Now, from my understanding, Butch could not actually see the vehicle, Mars vehicle, from where his house was. He could see down the driveway and he could see cars passing on the highway, but he could not see Mars vehicle. Um, It is... Um, I believe that maybe, you know, during that time that he took, that he went to his home and he called the police, it is quite possible that whoever could possibly have been driving with Mara uh, or traveling with her could have went down the road a piece trying to find a turnaround, turned around, come back and picked her up. Or maybe they were trailing behind her a good little ways. Who knows? And they were traveling and they maybe had a meetup spot somewhere. They come around the corner. They see Mara, you know, on the highway. You know, she grabs up her things real quick, leaves what she doesn't need behind, and she bolts. And that's why the dogs lost her scent in the middle of the highway. Um, so one thing seems clear out of all this, that whatever happened to Mara, it would appear she wanted to get out of the area as soon as she possibly could. 
Um, whether she was picked up against her will or not, she was traveling away from the vehicle to be picked up, if that makes sense. Um, Mara Murray had allegedly been involved and engaged to Army Lieutenant Bill Roush when Mara had an affair with the University of Massachusetts track team's assistant coach. I know I'm going to butcher this name, but Hossein, Hossein, Hossein Baghdadi. We're going to call him Baghdadi because that seems the most likely. Uh, detectives spoke with Baghdadi after Mara's vanishing, where he told them Mara had spoken in private with him about how she was planning to disappear. Baghdadi believed Mara was heading to a cabin in the White Mountains belonging to the UMass Outing Club. All right, so to kind of break all that down, uh, Bill Roush, she, he was actually the one that she left the email to. But according to um, sources that, you know, this track and team, uh, I'm sorry, track team, UMass's track team's coach, Baghdadi, that him and Mara were actually having an affair. And of course, you know, that's a big no-no in, in campus life, college life. And so they were probably, you know, keeping it on the down low about everything. And so, but he had told detectives that, you know, Mara had actually either he a overheard Mara speaking about this or that she had either B actually come to him and told him this. Um, and that he believed that she was actually heading to the White Mountains um, to the outing club's uh, cabin that they had up there. So apparently, I'm assuming she knew where it was and that she was heading that way. But that, I don't know how I feel about that because then why would she have the printout of the the directions to head to this um, cabin or, um, oh goodness, this condo for rent out in Vermont? Who knows at this point? That's why I say I, I may be telling you guys false information. And like I said, if I am, I apologize. That is not my intent. I'm going by what I have found and what I believe to be accurate information. Um, okay. This next guy, um, before I get into this whole next segment, um, I don't know how I can say this. Apparently, from my understanding, I do not know the gentleman's name, but from my understanding that he is, um, he has not been a, uh, he's always been sticking his nose into this stuff from the beginning. And I guess, I don't know, you know how some people are. They have to make their presence known when their presence isn't needed. Um, and so, I, like I said, I can't remember this gentleman's name, but I'll put it to you like I put it down on this piece of paper. A video was actually up to uploaded to YouTube on February 8th in 2012 by someone who goes by the username 112Dirtbag. The video shows an unknown man sitting in a dark room laughing maniacally for nearly a minute, then stops. He looks in the camera, he winks, and gives a sly smile. At the end of the video, we see the words, Happy Anniversary. A couple of things to take away from this video. The username, 112Dirtbag. Mara went missing off of Route 112. And Fred, Mara's dad, used the phrase, some dirtbags. He was describing Mara's abductors. So Fred had said this, The case has to stay alive. That's the only hope I have. I can't help Mara now. The only thing I can do for Mara is to grab the dirtbag who grabbed her. That's all I can do. I must find her and bring her home. 
Number two to bring away from this. Happy Anniversary appears at the end of the video. And the video was uploaded to YouTube on February, February 8th of 2012. The 8th anniversary since Mara disappeared. Now this gentleman that has made this video, supposedly he's, he's the dirtbag apparently. So uh, I'm not trying to slander anybody, talk anybody, or put anybody in the dirt. But I've, from what I've heard about this guy, I, like I said, I cannot remember his name. I cannot recall his name. But he has been sticking his nose into this case for some time. And he has been causing trouble for some investigators and journalists that have been trying to um, find leads along the way. Now, here's my question. What kind of person do you have to be to make some sort of sick video like that? That's, that's just, it's not right. You know, it, it's crazy, and you don't do that. You know, you got to have some sort of respect. Apparently, he was born in a barn somewhere. So then in February 2019, the 15th anniversary since Mara had disappeared, her father Fred made it clear that a possible lead in the case had been found. A home near where the wreck occurred had given authorities permission to search the home and grounds with cadaver dogs. Now both dogs picked a scent, picked up a scent in the basement in the exact same location. You can pull this video up and go look at it. I've seen it on YouTube. It's craziest thing i'm telling you they were in the exact same location so then in april of the same year investigators went back to the home to continue their search no sign of mara or a crime could be found authorities cut up pieces of the concrete from the floor in search of evidence but none could be found ground penetrating radar had been used in the area showing that the ground beneath had been disturbed but no body had been buried there now, I want to touch on this a little bit because it was a little unclear digging through all of this, and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, what the gentleman who actually owned the home, um, Fred had been saying for some time that police need to go invest this, investigate this home, and the homeowners, um, that owned the home back when around the time when Mara had actually wrecked the car near their home, uh, they would not allow it. Now that's red flag. Number one for me right there, guys. Oh, nothing to hide. Then let me come in. But no, for whatever reason, they would not allow it. Now, what I don't understand is why didn't police pursue this more than what they did? You know, if you don't have anything to hide, You'll be glad to let me and my dogs come in and search for a bit. Okay, so apparently the house, the property had actually changed hands. And the new owners of the home had allowed Fred to come in and do the search with the cadaver dogs. But here's the thing. Uh, so they did the ground penetra penetrating radar um, of the area where the dogs had actually uh, sat down. You know, they uh, hit, picked up the same scent right there in the same area. So when they did that, they brought in ground penetrating radar and they said they could tell that the there was things underneath the concrete before they actually dug the concrete up that had the ground had been disturbed. So when they tore up the concrete, there was nothing there. So but it said it ha it says it has been proven that nobody had been buried there. 
All right, so then New Hampshire Associate Attorney General Jeffrey Strelzen said this according to a Mass Live article. We did contact the homeowners, and they graciously allowed us, gave us consent to search the home. They found absolutely nothing other than a small piece of what looks to be pottery and maybe old piping. All right, so now who comes into the frame James Renner. Now, James Renner is most known for his investigative journalism and true crime and his published works on the subject and cases that he's been involved with. James has closely followed this case and is considered by many to be one of the most acknowledgeable figures on the case. James himself has even uh, said he's become uh, quite addicted to this case. Over the years, since his research with the Mara Murray, uh, with uh, Mara Murray case, Uh, He has published a book, he has written a blog, and has even given talks on television about this subject. Alright, so in October of 2018, James Renner wrote on his blog that he would most gladly close down his blog and end his search if he were to receive any means of communication from Mara. That That she was alive and well and that she just wanted to be left alone so that was in october of 2018 oddly enough on december 31st of of 2018 james renner decided to shut down his blog so he could focus on other aspects of his career or did he ever receive any message from mara so, take that for what it's worth. Um, and my sources uh, for all of this were uh, Daily Collegian, uh, The Family Lawyer, New Hampshire, MaraMurrayMystery.com, Median.com. So, if you want to go check it out and follow along, please do so. Like I said, it's an interesting case. And due to the fact that it did come up um, right around the time that... Uh, you know the internet was coming along it kind of it's kind of sparked over kind of a big boom of like armchair sleuths so to speak but a few things i will tell you about this like i said i wanted to kind of give you guys the facts as far as i know or what i believe to be facts after digging through all this i believe what i told you is the truth if i did not if something is a mistake it was mistake it was a mistake i promise you but anyway, I mean, no disrespect to anybody out there. No, n- nothing to the family members, um, nothing like that. So with that being said, if you'd like to know more, go look it up. Go check it out. Go find all the evidence for yourself because I'm telling you, this is not a cut and dry case by any means. If it were, it'd be solved. We'd know where she was. But like I said, this it's my understanding that they have never claimed her to be dead. You know, and this case is still open. This is it's just the craziest thing. Um, it's weird. It's weird um, on so many levels. And so with that being said, I would strongly suggest heading over to Missing Mara Murray podcast. Um, go check them out. I have listened to them um, and I would like to right now I quote them as a source as well. So um, some of my information that I told you guys about, that's where I actually got it from. So um go check go check it out i mean you never know i mean 
this is the strange thing about it. And you've heard more, I've heard more than one person say this. Somebody out there knows something. Somebody saw something. Somebody heard something. You got to have a, you know, what is it? What's the word? You got to, you got to plan the work and then work the plan. Isn't that right? Okay. So, but anyway, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, you'll notice me doing some more, a little bit of, uh, missing people, missing persons cases, especially strange ones like this from time to time. So if you're big into cold case files and stuff like that, you know, hang around. There'll be, I think I'm, I've got a few more up my sleeve and some more I'd like to dig into. So I'm going to end the show on this. Um, and like I said, once again, guys, y'all be safe. Y'all stay safe. Take care of each other. Take care of your family. Um, strange world, strange times and everything that we live in today. So be careful. Be safe. I love each and every one of you. Don't forget to um, follow me on Facebook at the Southern Spectre Podcast and at Instagram at the Southern Spectre. I am now on TikTok. Um, should be at the Southern Spectre uh find me on there as well so i got a few videos up nothing big i'm not famous i'm not tiktok famous but anyway just go check me out if you'd like to i'd really appreciate the like and the follow so um but anyway i can't thank you guys enough and uh tune in next week and see what pops out so anyway guys love you all take care <laughs>